You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The Ohio Division of Liquor Control says that 26% of worldwide alcohol consumption is illicit. Nearly a quarter of that illicit alcohol consumption is counterfeit, and those products do not meet quality standards and present health risks for consumers, including blindness and death. These are the types of things that regulators and studies funded by big business say to keep you from being able to have whiskey shipped to your house. If you want to hear why that's stupid and what needs to happen to change it, then stick around. So before we get started, I'd love to thank all of our Patreon members out there. If you don't know, at the first of the year, we launched a Patreon, and you can now support this podcast on a monthly basis. But it's not just a donation. We have a lot of member benefits. We have bonus content, special offers, distillery takeovers, barrel picks, in-person meetups, monthly virtual bottle shares, discounts on merch, and the satisfaction of knowing that you support the channel and its mission. So let's get into the disclaimers. I am not a legal expert when it comes to shipping laws, and I'm not providing any legal advice. I am a well-informed consumer and a small-time participant in the system because of my involvement with the prideful goat and unallocated. Uh, there are some workarounds for these problems, but as we will discuss, they are a poor solution for most of the parties involved. Uh, the, the main issues come from the three-tier system. So around 90 years ago, the U.S. government created a framework for the legal distribution and purchase of alcohol when prohibition ended. Despite all the changes in technology since the early 1930s, those laws remained relatively unchanged. A licensed entity called a producer bottles the whiskey. A licensed distributor called a wholesaler provides logistics and sales. And a licensed retailer sells the whiskey to the public. Some states allow a liquor store or a third party to deliver uh, something like uh, Uber, right, uh, directly to your door, but uh, those are only in certain states. And also, it can only be the liquor that that retailer happens to carry. So if you find a liquor that's not distributed in your area, there's no way for you to get your hands on it. Under the system, producers are hamstrung because they can't sell or market their products and are subject to the whims of wholesalers who are much larger and have all the power uh, because they have a government monopoly. Wholesalers are pressured to represent countless brands, uh, many of which probably should not be in business and shouldn't be distributed in that area, but because the brand wants sales in that state, Wholesalers are put under pressure to represent brands that they may not have the capacity to do a good job for. And this creates inefficiency in the system. It wastes a bunch of time and resources, which translates into higher prices for you, the consumer. 
Uh, retailers, bars, and restaurants are pressured by enormously powerful wholesalers to pay whatever price is asked for whatever inventory the wholesaler wants to offer them uh, because they have no other options. So it's not as if a retail store can form a relationship with the producer that they found that they like and carry that product. They still have to get involved with the wholesaler and the wholesaler gets to dictate to them what the prices are going to be. So. Uh, and lastly, the consumers, you guys are asked to pay enormous premiums for alcohol to cover all of the extra costs from the inefficiency of the system and for products that may not even be your preference because the system limited your options to begin with. So what happens when you find a whiskey that isn't in your local store or with one of the few legal online retailers? What if you want to buy it? Well, guess what? You have to become a criminal to purchase it under our current system. So the reason why these rules are still in place is because government authorities and very powerful businesses pay for research studies to convince the public that it's in their best interest to keep these laws in place. So let's go back to the quote uh, that we used in the intro where they said 26% of worldwide alcohol consumption is illicit. Nearly a quarter of that illicit alcohol consumption is counterfeit and those products don't meet quality standards and represent health risk for consumers, including blindness and death. My first question would be, why is the state of Ohio using international alcohol statistics to make decisions about what they're gonna do with alcohol in their state? There are statistics for these things, but first off, it's probably a guess. How could you accurately estimate illicit alcohol. It's illicit. It's not like they're reporting it. Another thing is, is that these statistics get pushed up by, say, Muslim nations where alcohol is illegal, uh, but people still want to drink it. And so the only alcohol available is illicitly created. There are also examples of alcohol being created in remote regions where distribution isn't even possible. So worldwide statistics on illicit products should have zero impact on U.S. alcohol law. Uh, the, the other thing in this statement was they said counterfeit, uh, as if the three-tier system reduces the incentive for counterfeit alcohol, when in fact the three-tier system doesn't prevent it at all, it increases it. When you reduce a person's options to pur purchase the items that they want, they become more vulnerable to counterfeiters taking advantage of the void in the marketplace. And we're seeing that now with the explosion in online scams trying to sell people Pappy Van Winkle and George T. Stack. Um, the, the math that they use in that quote also seems pretty suspect. They said 26% of all worldwide alcohol is illicit and 25% of that is of questionable quality and that the quality of that could lead to blindness and death. So the numbers that they use would mean that 6.5% of all alcohol causes blindness and death. That's what they wanted you to get from that. This is stupid political manipulation, and you as a free-thinking individual need to start asking yourself why regulators are trying to manipulate the public with this type of political rhetoric. Another argument is that it increases access to alcohol for minors. Uh, a recent study by Vino Shipper found that minors are not utilizing the internet to access alcohol. Vino Shipper analyzed attempted purchases on its website and discovered over a three-year period from 2020 to 2022 that of the 633,985 attempts to purchase, only 943 attempts were made by minors. Um, in percentage terms, that's 0.15 of 1% of all attempted purchases were attempted by minors. But get this. 
their system worked and they found that 0% of the attempts were successful because the system stopped the transaction. Now, the wine and spirits wholesalers of America, and when you hear WSWA, think big, powerful businesses with great big lobbies and money to waste on studies. They claim that the report fails to mention that these 1.05 million shipments are a drop in the bucket. They only represent 2% of the total 41 million plus direct-to-consumer wine shipments nationwide. So the sampling is statistically irrelevant. Uh, now, that's an ironic statement from the WSWA because they commissioned a study with 2,000 participants asking mothers if they were in favor of the three-tier system. The study was biased because the majority of the participants have no idea what the three-tier system is. So they were asked questions like, do you support alcohol regulations that restrict access to alcohol from your children? First, this is totally biased study. Second, there are 85,000 mothers in the U.S. So if a study that included 1.05 million participants of 41 million um, is statistically irrelevant, how is the WSWA's study of 2,000 out of 85 million noteworthy? It's not. So which of you watching this when you wanted access to alcohol as a minor would have been stymied but for your ability to order it online? There's not a single of-age person in the United States that was not exposed to the opportunity to drink when they were underage, completely separate from direct-to-consumer shipping, because when I was a kid, it didn't exist. The internet didn't even exist. When, when minors want to get access to alcohol, they have other ways of getting it besides actually having a credit card, ordering online, and running the risk of the package coming when their parents are there or anything else. Ah, I knew I was a bigger Bourbon Real Talk fan than you. How do you know that? Well, because I don't just use a prideful goat, Glenn. I got an official Bourbon Real Talk tumbler. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I got this Bourbon Real Talk lanyard to carry my whiskey glass in. Oh, well, speaking of whiskey glasses, do you have one of these? No, I don't. Rocks glass. Oh, yeah? Yep, official. Well, I love my wife, and I bought her this official whiskey wife flask from Bourbon Real Talk. Well, that's cute and everything, but I got my wife one of these. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you can just add your own liquor, and it's an actual cocktail right there in a, in a jar. Me and my wife like to make cocktails, so we got this simple syrup off oh, the website. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, do you and your wife have one of these? This is an official sticker. You can only get these on the website. Uh, no, but I do have these official coasters that have the Bourbon Real Talk logo on them, and I'm representing. Hmm. Well, while you're representing those little coasters of yours, I've got an aroma kit. Do you? Yeah, so I can smell literally everything in bourbon. Everything. Well, I don't have that, but I do have this sample box that I keep all my samples in. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
because I'm part of the community and I share samples. Yeah, but do you have Glen Toppers that are officially Bourbon Real Talk? I don't have that, but I do have this large whiskey carrying case for my glasses so that I don't break them. See, I knew you had that. That's why I have this, the smaller version, okay? It packs more easily into your suitcase. Uh -huh. I don't want to mess with that big old thing, okay? Suitcase, that's for lamos. Check this thing out. I have a Bourbon Real Talk bottle carrying bag. You can't beat that. I don't know if I can because- And on top of that, I have a Bourbon Real Talk t-shirt. I'm the bigger fan. Oh, I can beat that. Is it extra schmedium? No, I don't have extra schmedium. Ha! Extra schmedium. You might be the bigger fan, you win. I knew it. So whether you're a Bourbon Real Talk super fan or simply looking for quality whiskey swag, head over to bourbonrealtalk.com today. Another argument is it allows illicit alcohol that does not meet quality standards to proliferate. Um, and that argument, it irritates me because producers are on the honor system. So aside from the insignificant number of bottles that get opened for sampling by the wholesaler or the retailer, there's zero quality control. The federal regulatory authorities, the wholesalers, nor the retailers test any samples to confirm that they're in fact safe for consumption, nor is it a statistically relevant amount of alcohol that gets tested by humans between the point that it leaves the producer and the consumers putting it in their body, right? Because they will open up a bottle from time to time to sample at a store, or sometimes stores are allowed to sample out to their customers so they can try before they buy. But that represents a insignificant portion of the alcohol that's being released to the public. And so this whole argument that the three-tier system prevents counterfeits and illicit alcohol from ending up in the hands of the consumers, there is no mechanism in place to actually make that happen. Another argument is it allows counterfeit alcohol to proliferate. Uh, counterfeit alcohol is not a significant problem in the three-tier system, nor would it be a significant problem with direct-to-consumer shipping. Virtually all counterfeits are either customer-to-customer -customer transactions or a fake business-to-customer transaction that either under the three-tier system or the direct-to-consumer model, it, it, it's going to be the same either way. Um, a, a, another argument would be it increases regulatory cost and decreases tax revenues. And this one was one of my favorites because the WSWA funded a study by John Dunham and Associates that states, should current DTC, that's direct to consumer shipping, laws expand nationally to include wine and spirits, job losses in the wine and spirits industry would be nearly 26,000. The national economy would shrink by more than 4 billion and states would lose more than 7.3 million nationally in tax revenues. Additionally, enforcement agencies across the country would need to hire an additional 2,000 regulators and spend over $256 million to properly enforce interstate direct-to-consumer shipping. I have no idea how this study was conducted, but it doesn't pass the sniff test. The only way that you could calculate job losses would be if you calculated the shift of jobs away from the giants who benefit by keeping the three-tier system in place um, and, and not taking into consideration the massive influx of jobs that it would create with the new businesses that would be started to take advantage of the opportunity. 
Uh, in Texas, for instance, when we opened up direct-to-consumer shipping for wine, hundreds of millions of dollars poured into the Fredericksburg area alone, it, it, creating a whole economic boom. Uh, they're, they're, they're having to import workers from surrounding areas just to keep up with customer demand. And so I know what happens whenever you make it easier for a business to operate and businesses expand, more capital comes in, and it does create jobs. So that argument is kind of nonsense. The argument that the economy would be effective is another red herring argument because the only way that revenues are going to go down would be if direct-to-consumer shipping reduced consumption of alcohol. It's not going to. Um, there could be an argument that it's bad for public health because it would increase access and potentially increase the amount of alcohol consumption, but that's not going to hurt the economy. That is going to cause the alcohol space to grow. Um, in fact, the other way that it could affect the economy would be if it lowered the cost of distribution to customers so that the tax base went down. But in either case, an economist would tell you that the ripple effects would balance themselves out and the economy would be relatively unaffected. And would it actually be a bad thing if alcohol distribution were cheaper and homes could spend more of that money on other more important things instead of propping up these big businesses that aren't bringing enough value to justify their cost? And then that last argument about regulatory cost. Why in the hell would a state government hire 2,000 regulatory personnel, and I did the math with the 256 million, the average regulator that they would hire would have a $128,000 salary per year for a total cost of 256 nationwide just to collect $7.3 million in taxes. So in conclusion, if direct-to-consumer advocates had their way, the laws would be hastily passed and state regulators would be ill-prepared, investment would flood in, there would be winners, there would be losers. Some of the bad things the three-tier system advocates warned about would actually happen. Some of the good things the direct-to-consumer advocates promised would actually happen. But in the end, we would all figure it out and we'd have a more efficient system for distributing alcohol to you as consumers. Uh, both the direct-to-consumer advocates and the three-tier advocates uh, cherry-pick the data in their studies that bolster their position. Uh, so as a thinking consumer, you must learn to read between the lines. The three-tier advocates blatantly lie to the public. The truth is regulators are generally unwilling to change policy so they can maintain their government jobs without too much more effort. The politicians who are in charge of putting regulators in place are heavily influenced by political donations from the largest alcohol companies who have a financial incentive to keep things the way that they are. And why would a massively successful producer want regulations changed that made it easier for small startups to gain access to their customers? Why would massive wholesalers give up their government-protected monopoly that allows them to choose winners and losers, extract more money out of the system than the services they provide are worth, and they can often do so without even performing their basic functions because customers can't operate without them legally? The truth is, the U.S. has put systems in place to allow the shipping of all kinds of regulated goods that represent a public health risk. They could do the same thing for alcohol, but every voice you hear telling you that DTC is bad care about propping up big corporations and collecting state taxes. Any other arguments that they make, they actually don't care about. That's to manipulate. As a consumer, it's time to get informed and use your voting influence to push changes that will allow you more freedom of choice on how you spend your money. So 
If this is your first time watching the show, I'd love to thank you for the view and let you know a little bit about our show philosophy. We're all about bringing people together around bourbon. And that's something that's personally important to me because I lost my brother to suicide in 2014. And in the aftermath of that, I was trying to find a way to create the connection and community that he had lost that made it so easy for him to say bye to this world. And I started noticing how whiskey was bringing people together, even people from different walks of life that would normally not make friends with one another. And I thought, I need to harness this power. Maybe if I can get you involved with whiskey, whiskey will do the rest of the job and get you involved with others. Um, going through that process, though, I did see the negative underbelly, if you will, of the whiskey enthusiast world, and that's whiskey trolls. There are a lot of individuals out there that want to be hateful to strangers online and try to make those people feel like they're inferior and build themselves up to the community and make themselves seem superior. And that resulted in two things. One, it resulted in us starting Bourbon Real Talk Community. That is a troll-free environment where people of all experience levels can come and interact. And quite honestly, it has really formed into a community. Um, the other thing that that experience taught me was that if those people can hate you online, even though you guys are strangers to one another, there's nothing that prevents me from loving you online, even though we're technically strangers to one another. And that's why I end every week's episode the same way, and that's this. If you woke up this morning and you're unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk.